Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Adventures in Angular. This week on our panel, we have Subrat Mishra. Hello. I'm Charles Maxwood from Top Hat Devs, and this week we're talking to Miroslav Yonash. I hope I got somewhere close to that. Yeah, actually, it was perfect. Hi, everyone. Awesome. Hey, folks, this is Charles Maxwood from Top End Devs. And lately, I've been working on actually building out Top End Devs. If you're interested, you can go to topendevs.com slash podcast, and you can actually hear a little bit more about my story, about why I'm doing what I'm doing with Top End Devs, why I changed it from uh, devchat.tv to Top End Devs. But what I really want to get into is that I have decided that I'm going to build the platform that I always wished I had with devchat.tv and I renamed it to Top End Devs because I want to give you the resources that are going to help you to build the career that you want, right? So whether you want to be an influencer in tech, whether you want to go and just max out your salary and then go live a lifestyle with your family, your friends, or just traveling the world or whatever, I, I want to give you the resources that are going to help you do that. We're going to have career and leadership resources in there, and we're going to be giving you content on a regular basis to help you level up and max out your career. So go check it out at topendevs.com. If you sign up before my birthday, that's December 14th. If you sign up before my birthday, you can get 50% off the lifetime of your subscription. Once again, that's topendevs.com. So Miro, do you want to just remind people who you are and why you're important? All that good stuff. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why I'm important. As Charles mentioned, I'm Miro Slavianas, but everyone knows me as Miro. I'm a software developer originally from Serbia, currently living in Austria. I work for Narwhal, where I'm one of the core members of the Annex, and I'm mostly focusing nice. on Linter and our CI. Very cool. Yeah, we talked to Lars Brink a couple of weeks ago. I guess he has a book on NX. So yeah, good stuff. Good stuff. But yeah, let's let's dive in and just kind of uh, start breaking this down because I'm really curious. NX does all kinds of stuff, and I'm I'm always like, oh, it does that too. So do you want to just give us kind of the high level overview on NX and mono repos, and then we can kind of go down into the linting and CI? Yeah, so I guess most people by now already have some understanding of what monorepos are. But generally, in a nutshell, it means that we have multiple projects that are living collocated in a joint repository, but they don't just uh -huh. sit together in the same folder. They can actually communicate to each other. So we have a toolkit that can then help them communicate to each other. So we can run the processes that then spawn between different projects. We can see, we can orchestrate them. We can see how they impact each other. So if you change something in project A and project B depends on project A, you can immediately get informed that this change happened. So when you later right. on run the tests or, or builds, we can nicely link them together. And by knowing how things are connected to each other, you can also see what parts are not affected. So for example, in most monorepos, including Annex, we have commands affected, which then tells you whether your change has affected certain project or not. So by making some change in your repository and calling affected, you can make sure that you are only running the given command on the projects that might have been affected. It doesn't mean that they were necessarily affected, but there's a chance that they were affected. And we can tell which projects for sure were not affected by this. And when you have the repository that has, I don't know, hundreds of projects, this can tremendously improve the performance and your developer experience because now instead of running mm -hmm. build on projects, you can only run them on two or three projects that might have been affected by the change. And then this also, of course, then saves money on your cloud because your your processes are then running just a subset of 
commands. And this is just one part. And of course, there's caching, so we can cache certain commands or all of your commands, which means that if you already run a build for a certain project, you don't have to run it again. For Just imagine standard serve. Standard serve command first runs the build and then serves the, on the Webpack server. Now, if you didn't change anything in the project, you don't have to rebuild it again. You can just use the build artifact and serve those. So this, of course, saves a lot of time. Mm-hmm. And the bigger the project is, the more time you get, you save. Yeah, it's funny because I remember when Narwhal came out with NX. Of course, I remember also when a bunch of folks left Google and went and put Narwhal together. And then they built NX because Google works off of a monorepo. And so this is a lot of the same kind of tooling that they would use at Google for for their approach. I don't know how different it is from Blaze or Bazel or whatever they're calling Basil, it these yeah. days. Um, but the, um, the concept is similar, yeah. Actually, it was it was of course yeah, but, Bezel was was one of the projects that we looked up to, and from which we borrowed mm-hmm. multiple ideas. So, as as you might know, Google is using Bazel. The similarly, uh, Facebook was using Buck, and both of these tools back in the days were not open for a community, so you couldn't really try those tools. Once they opened it, we become aware of all the features, but the problem was that. Both of those tools are quite complicated to master, mm-hmm. and it takes a lot of time yep. to configure it properly. Once configured properly, they are blazingly fast and amazing, but it takes a lot of constant uh, taming to, to make it work to your liking. And NX and all the other modern monorepo tools approach the same problem by giving the same features, but on the other hand, automating a lot of the tasks for you so you don't have to spend time configuring. We provide already nice defaults for you. Right. I was going to say that. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, so as far as kind of going down to the next level, you, we've been talking a bit about the, the linting capabilities in NX. Now, does it use tools like ESLint and stuff like that, or do you have your own linting engine? No, no, no. We, we use ESLint. We we used okay. to have support. We still have support for TSLint as well, but this is being now unmaintained, so we are slowly switching it off. When you generate new workspace and then when you run migrations we'll try to push you to ESLint. You can no longer generate a solution with TSLint and for all the projects that still use TSLint we try to remove it and probably in the next version it will be kicked out altogether. Gotcha. So yeah, I'm a little curious what that means for the people who are using TSLint. I mean, how long do they have before it starts saying, God, sorry guys, we just don't do this anymore. Yeah, we have luckily migrations that automate most of the stuff for you. So you can run migration that will migrate your repository from TSLint to ESLint. There might be a couple of things that you have to do on your own, but like most of the rules will be migrated. Most of the comments will be migrated. There will be a couple of things, especially if you did some custom stuff with TSLint that you would have to migrate yourself. But I would say that most of the work is done automatically by NX. So, so it shouldn't be scary for folks. And I really advise people to do it as soon as possible because you're missing all the great features that are coming out in ESLint. And also you're using tool that is not maintained and is slower and yeah has more limitations than ESLint. So why, right. why use something that does half of the work that ESLint could be doing? Right. I think uh, slowly they are transiting. I think all the, all the project in our organization, as well, if I see slowly everyone is transiting from TSLint to ESLint. Uh, and I think it's a pretty good approach as well uh, to get rid of as soon as possible. But somehow some project, if it is bigger, it's hard to 
or change anything. Yeah, I guess that's the painful reality that when you have some old legacy yeah. projects, and especially if they are large monoliths, and it's hard to migrate to anything. But yeah, with automated migrations, it's it's easier because most of the heavy lifting is, is done for you. And then you just, once you run the linter, it will complain of all the things that are broken. So usually what we do in this situations is that we migrate and then you run the lint and then stuff that that is breaking that maybe was commented for you or or some rules were changed you just use eslint ignore to ignore all of those so that you can continue with your feature development or whatever you're doing Hmm. and then just kind of set yourself a reminder to come back to those and kind of switch off one of the one by one of those eslint ignores and fix them right so how does this tie into NX then and, and how to use it in a monorepo? Well, I have more questions about how to use it in a monorepo, but why don't we just start there? Yeah, so so NX has kind of two approaches. One is uh, we could call it core or learn-alike approach where we just provide the base NX that gives you all these nice things like affected, orchestration, caching, etc. But it doesn't give you plugins, so you don't have it plugin for for Angular, for Cypress, for Nest, for ESLint, for Jest, etc. So you just get the core functionality of Monorepo. And you can simply ignore, uh, install Annex to any repository and start using it. You can even install it into some other Monorepo toolkit and it will still work. But then if you want to have a bit more battery included, you can install also plugins. And each plugin is targeting specific framework or library and provides additional information. So for example, we have plugin for Angular, which is in a way similar to Angular CLI. So it provides similar functionality, gives you opportunity to to generate libraries, applications, to generate components, like all of the things that you would normally do with Angular CLI. And it gives you Mm -hmm. also powerful migrations that we have and and some additional stuff like uh, generating single component yeah, single file components or or creating uh, secondary entry points or module feder- setting up module federations so all these nice things and we have similarly plugins for for react for example we have also for just and for for eslint so when you install angular normally you get also along with it just cypress and eslint as your mm-hmm. unit test library your integration library and and your linting library and this then gives you the additional uh, executors that you can, which are pretty much just a wrapper around a standard call. So for example, our linter plugin executor, it's just a simple wrapper around standard ESLint call, but it gives you this standardization between different plugins. So regardless whether you're mm-hmm. running command for, for Angular or for Cypress or for linter, you are always providing the same parameters with the same name. So you don't have to know which library requires what. It's always standardized. And this is what what our plugins are doing. So they are creating nice wrappers around native, or not native, but like external libraries so that it's easier for you as a developer to navigate with them. That's nice because I I always have to create like a command line alias or something. Hmm. Or, you know, an NPM task so that I can remember, yeah, all the flags and switches I want to stick on the end of that command. So that makes it easy. Yeah. And, and one of the most powerful things, of course, is the migrations. Because whenever a new version comes out, Angular already has nice migrations. So that works most of the times. But 
they provide mm -hmm. migrations only for Angular. So if you're using, for example, uh, also NGRX or some additional tools that are not necessarily part of Angular ecosystem, you would have to migrate those on your own. And NX, by, by using the plugin, provides migrations for all of them. So you run migrations, which will under the hood run some of the Angular internal migrations. It will also run some of the NX migrations, and it will migrate not just Angular, but also your ESLint, your Cypress, and whatever you have there set up. And it yeah. will not just migrate version as it bumps the version. It will also check your code. And most of those migrations have some sort of rules, like whenever version changes, there are some API changes. So we find your code that is using this API and we change it to the newest format. So you don't have to do it on your own. Yeah, makes sense. So what if you want to use different flags or a slightly different setup than what NX gives you out of the box? You can you can pass your own flags and you don't necessarily have to use okay. anything that plugin provides. You can create your own plugin or not use plugin at all. It's up to you. Okay. And you can always specify whether you would like to pass some flags that NX doesn't know about. And normally what for most of the plugins we have this setup so that you can simply just pass all the flags that are not known by by NX will simply be just propagated down to whatever you're trying to call. Okay. Go ahead, Subrat. What were we going to say yeah, or ask? The thing is the NX, I think most powerful way I, I can think of is use, I have used, is with Angular and Nest club together. And even you have a bunch of project, you create different environment. And now you can say a lot of things between front end and back end. And, and uh, your, our coding will become a lot easier uh, that way to maintain some variables, maintain some like some va some variables can be used in both the places instead of uh, maintaining two separate repository, maintaining and like the maintenance will be a headache if you maintain two different ones instead of creating a single NX uh, project. Yeah, definitely. Like when you have backend and frontend, you can create like a library of your domain models that then both of them can mm. consume. And that is somehow doesn't care about whether you use it for front-end or for back-end, so that once you change the contracts, both mm -hmm. of them are affected immediately. And then you know that you are always in sync that whatever back-end is sending, that front-end is expecting the exact format. Yeah, I guess. So you're talking about actually testing, say, that the front-end and the back-end are compatible, that they're speaking the same, I guess, language, or they're using the same data structures kind of thing? Yeah, model also, what was that? Like the most of the scenario, like so for example, for the for the uh, listener, I'm saying, suppose you are calling a API and the backend is returning some kind of uh, some data structure, some mm -hmm. object, and you are receiving the same object here as well. Most of the time, what happens is backend change something. You need to update yeah, in the front end as well, according to that. But yep. if you are if you are pointing to the same object and same reference, you are getting that. If you're changing something, it will be affected in both the places. Yeah, when, right. When yeah. You have so you're specifying that contract. contract. Yeah, when, when you have two separate repositories, what usually happens is that occasionally someone changes something in the backend and they just forget to inform you or they don't think you should know about this change. And since not hey, I'm a backend guy. I have never done that ever. <laughs> right. <laughs> the, the worst thing is that you don't find this usually on your development environment you find is in production when someone in a couple of days complains yep. something is broken and then you have to like figure out when did it change how did it was, it was changed like why is it breaking first of all because the project manager told me to <laughs> no i mean it's never my you, fault when whenever you depend on on human to to handle something it, mm -hmm. eventually it will 
break. It's not that we are lazy or, or don't care. It's just it's in our nature to occasionally forget something important. And when you have things automated, like mm-hmm. in Monorepo, that it's just working without your intervention, that gives you a security that things are safe, that things know each other. Of course, you can break in Monorepos just as well, but you have to work a bit harder to to break stuff in Monorepo in that sense that to have contracts that don't match. Yeah, that makes sense. One other thing that I'm curious about, because uh, Subrat mentioned that you maybe you have an Angular front-end app and you have a Nest back-end app. Maybe you have some other stuff in there. And yeah, for for the, hey, I'm going to call Jest against this and run the tests. I want to use the same flags because I want the output to look the same. And, you know, I generally want it to follow the same rules. But what about for the stuff that isn't the same for like a, between Angular and Nest? or, you know, Angular and Express or whatever, right? So maybe I have some special thing that I just need it to be aware of on the back end or, you know, maybe Angular, you know, I want to use the Angular CLI or some feature of that for the front end. Is there a way to tell NX, hey, this is different, do this instead or add this part of this thing to your standard stuff? I don't know. So normally all of the commands that you're, setting up are per project so you can change per okay. project whatever you want each project has its own configuration so you can set whatever you need for this project additionally if you're having some external libraries that are or libraries that are then being consumed by either front end or back end again you can have a dedicated for example feature libraries for angular that have some parts of ui and then you mm-hmm. can have some sort of service libraries for for your backend that then provide pieces of of logic for the backend. And one cool thing about Linter is that we created the enforce module boundaries rule for Linter, with which you can configure using tags which libraries can be consumed where. So you can make sure that your Nest backend will not consume, for example, Angular feature library, because it shouldn't. Mm-hmm. or that a uh, library cannot import an application. So stuff like this, some right. of the things are, are done automatically, like checking whether application is not being imported into library or checking whether there are circular dependencies in your code. This is done automatically by the rule, but some things mm-hmm. like whether a certain library should be imported by, by other library or other project, this has to be set up by using tags. And then you can specify nicely. For example, you can mark all your front-end stuff with front-end tag and all your back-end stuff with back-end tag. And then you can say that front-end libraries can only be consumed by other front-end libraries, not by back-end or utility or end-to-end or whatever other you have set up. Right. And and this actually helps with large repositories because it, it helps your architecture from descending into chaos. You know, the situation where people just keep inferring stuff all over the place and keep importing here and there and like you find something useful and you just import it in your project and suddenly you have weird circular dependencies and stuff that depends on each other that normally shouldn't even know about each other and with these tags you can nicely keep your your architecture uh, under control so you don't have some some weird weird uh, net of, of intertwined libraries and projects right and yeah, this is so. How does this all? Oh, go ahead. Yeah, I just want to mention that this is the the part that I'm mostly working on. So it's very very interesting because most people don't even know about this or are not aware, and it it helps tremendously because when you have larger teams, you just can't control every commit, every pull request. You can't 
And occasionally in large companies, you have juniors or just people who are new to projects and they don't know what what belongs where. And usually, even if you have some architecture diagram, most likely it's sitting somewhere in some network drive where people don't see it all the time and it's most likely outdated. And with NX, just by running Craft, you can immediately see up-to-date graph of your entire repository. You can see how things are connected up to date. And it also, the linter tells you then if, if you make something, some some import where it shouldn't belong. Gotcha. So it keeps you from having NX in the multiverse of madness? Yeah. <laughs> I think NX is nowadays also becoming a little popular for the micro front end, uh, for the state sharing, if I'm not wrong. I yeah, yeah, we just have it. Yeah, we were one of the first to to jump on the whole micro frontend ship, and my colleague Colum did a lot of work there and created uh, executors and and generators for for Angular, and now we also have one for React, and people are mm-hmm. using it more and more, and it's kind of becoming a standard. If you're in Angular world and you want to create micro frontends, most likely with you will do it inside NX. So I'm here with uh, JD from Raygun. JD, we've been talking quite a bit lately about Core Web Vitals and keeping track of the performance of your applications. And one of the hard things is, is that you kind of get this aggregated data from Google that changes over time, but it's got this lag on it. And I, I think we actually had some folks from Raygun where we were talking about, in particular, this problem and having some some way of getting faster feedback on this kind of a thing. Yeah, 100%. I mean, Google's official guidance is that you should be looking for a RUM tool and not relying on snapshotted data. So Raygun's RUM tool will collect all your core web vitals. And last time I checked, I think we were at about four to five seconds lag on ingesting data. So pretty close to real time on on how you're performing there. Um, But yeah, yeah, we have first-class support in our real user monitoring product. Yeah, real user monitoring means that each request that comes in, each track that people follow that's what gets tracked and so you know your numbers right away yeah that's right actual data from actual users it's so much more valuable than synthetic data um, and you also collect it across the entire user base so you can see like who are my one percent you know most disenfranchised users who experience the worst sort of performance and you know between between us chuck i'm stoked that google's doing this because as a user of software i want my software to go fast and i'm really glad they're creating a business incentive for all of us to work on the performance of our software yep absolutely so folks if you want a real user monitoring tool that'll keep you on top of your core web vitals go check out raygun.com and you can actually just sign up for a free trial yeah that makes sense given that most of the micro front ends are independent mm-hmm. of each other and so you're going to have them in separate repos or you put them in a mono repo you manage them all together because for the most part you're using the same i guess framework within the framework in order to put them together using the same setup and so at the end of the day yeah having something like nx and just running it all through nx makes a ton of sense and since those things eventually get stitched together online it makes sense to mm-hmm. have them together in the same repository so you know if something yeah. changes even if they yeah you can you can blend the ones that have to blend Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. So, is it possible? We, can we create a project with uh, Angular and React as a different project inside the NX project uh, for the microphone and purpose? I'm asking. To be honest, I'm not sure. I think yeah. I generally you should be able. So, NX can host Angular and React together. Mm-hmm. Uh, when it comes to micro frontends, I guess you would just have to choose which one will be driving. So, whether the Angular will be providing shell or the React will be providing shell. 
But then each project separate, like I think it can be built with whatever you want. Mm. It just came to my mind while while Charles was asking. I have also never tried. I tried only with Angular. So yeah, I, I think that you. people usually think about micro frontends that yeah, cool. Now I'm gonna build a website where one page will be in Angular, the other one will be in React, the third one will be in Vue, fourth one will be in mm. Svelte, and it's like. Why would you do that? <laughs> I mean, yes, you can, but yeah. why would you do that? It just doesn't make sense. And, and I'm going to write a book. This... The first page is going to be in English. The second page is going to be in French. <laughs> the third page is going to be in, in Japanese. And the <laughs> Yeah, I mean, in some cases, it, it makes sense for something like, I don't know, there are some large and old companies that have built stuff in, for example, J- jQuery, and they don't want to rewrite all that stuff. So they would just partially rewrite certain pages to different framework and they still didn't like to stitch them together. But when you're starting a project, you usually don't have this problem. So you can just stick to single technology. Mm-hmm. And microfrontend is just like any other methodology. It's nice and it solves certain problems, but it doesn't solve all the problems. And people usually just right. grab the, the latest buzzword and think that this will then solve all their problems. Yeah, that's true. I mean, all of my micro frontends back up onto blockchain. Sorry. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, with artificial intelligence. So I want to there, Yeah, there we go. An AI that runs on blockchain. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so one, one thing that I wanted to kind of get into here that we haven't talked as much about with all the monorepos and linting and stuff is the CI end of things. So when you're running the CI against all the different projects within your monorepo, do you have like different CI jobs set up for each project or do you just run CI against the whole thing? Does it only run it against the ones that have changed? Like how, how does that all work? Yeah. So one of the things that NX or Narvel actually provides is NX Cloud. And NX Cloud is uh, our cloud infrastructure for, for the running NX on your CI. And what it Mm-hmm. gives you is it gives you remote caching so or distributed caching mm-hmm. which means that normally with with nx you can cache stuff locally so that you don't have to run build twice but you can also link your nx cloud account and then you can also cache this on your cloud meaning that if you run something in your build your colleague that if they try to run the same build they will get the immediate response from the cloud they don't have to run it on their machine and this naturally helps tremendously on your cloud or on your CI, because if you already run it locally, it will be stored, then the result will be stored in the cloud so that when you run CI later Mm -hmm. on, CI will don't have to spend time running this. It will just take it from the cache. And apart from that, NX Cloud also provides distributed task execution, meaning that we can take our jobs, split it into tasks, and then distribute tasks between different machines. So for example, Let's Mm -hmm. imagine you have hundreds of projects and you want to build all of them. Normally, you would run 100 projects one by one, one after another, sequentially, and this would take Mm -hmm. a huge amount of time. With distributed task execution, you can create, first of all, graph of dependencies because normally if you would run it on your own you would have to know which project depends on on what so you would have to like organize in which order they will be built on your own annex does this for you because we know how things are connected so we can create orchestration for you and then we can take those tasks and distribute between different agents so annex cloud allows you to to use multiple agents you can use from two agents up to i don't know hundreds of agents depending how much how much you paid for your CR infrastructure. But you can then take, for example, let's say if you have 100 tasks that you have need to run and you have 
10 agents, you can split those tasks between 10 agents. And normally people would think about this in a, as a pinning. So like simply taking 100 projects and splitting into 10 different agents, that would mean like each agent mm-hmm. would get 10 tasks. But in reality, it's not so simple because first of all, they depend on each other. So they can't just be split randomly. In addition, right. some tasks are larger and take more time and some tasks are super fast. So you need to know how to split them optimally so that you don't have too much idle time on your agents. And this is also something that NX provides. And up to my knowledge, I think only NX and Bazel from all the modern solutions provide this functionality where based on a code size and based on some some history and, and the things you're trying to do, so the, the operation you're trying to run, we can guesstimate how long it will take like uh, relatively mm-hmm. between each other. So we know how to distribute them in the best possible way so that you end up getting the result from all of those builds in the, the least time possible. And additional nice things about DT is that once everything is finished, you get one result as a unified document. So you don't have to go through all of these agents and and like collect the data and then stitch them together, but you get get it in the main thread or the main agent, you get as a single report, regardless whether it was run on single agent or it was spread on between hundreds of agents. Gotcha. Yeah. And this this now is, do you run linting as part of your CI? Because we're kind of tying a lot of these ideas together. Yeah, yeah. We 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 run for example for standard setup would be to run lint test and build. Uh-huh. What we do okay. for for NX, for example, we run lint test and build. Of course, we run a subset of end-to-end tests, and we are also running some some additional checks, like we check our documentation whether it's it has been changed. We check the formatting and and some some additional minor stuff that's kind of important for the health of our repository. And then additionally, we have our nightly builds, which then run a bit more end-to-end tests and also we run them in different environments. So for example, we run them in Yarn, NPM, and PMPM, and we also run them on, on Mac machine, on Linux, and Windows, so that we get mm. kind of all, all different environments combined. For normal CI, so for normal PRs and, and main branch, we just run the PMPM and we just run it on Linux because that's the fastest. Of course, there are plugins that only work on, on Mac, like the React Native and Detox. So those then we run on, on Mac, but everything else runs on Linux. Right. And that's all done in NX Cloud? Yeah. So so all of this runs on NX Cloud. Or NX Cloud actually nice. organizes it, its run on, on Circle CI and the nightly mm. runs on, on GitHub, okay. but, but NX cloud organizes the, the tasks and handles the caching. I gotcha. So you still use your your own CI infrastructure, whatever you choose in your own provider, but NX Cloud is, is handling the distribution of the tasks. I gotcha. That's cool. So according to the environment, you guys are de- deciding which which system to give, like, like you mentioned about the React Native and that uh, it will run on Mac or everything else, it will run on Linux. So according to, environment, according to the code structure you are giving or, or you have some configuration that handles those things? No, so it's, it's, a, it's a matter of simple configuration. So we know that project that implements React Native and Detox plugin needs Mac to run the tests. So we run those two on Mac. And the same way mm-hmm. we know that everything else doesn't then need to be run on, on Mac. 
because it's not really relevant, at least for for the CI. But yeah, I'm I'm not sure if you would be able to somehow split this in the package like halfway through. Like for example, our test lint and build runs on lint because that's the fastest. But then our end-to-end mm-hmm. tests run on specific machines. But yeah, we we know which machine certain end-to-end package requires, so so we know how to distribute them. So we simply configure them what to run where. Makes sense. And it, it's very easy, for so, example, on, on GitHub to set up this matrix configurations where you can then specify what operating systems you want, what NPM versions you want, what package managers you want, mm-hmm. and like what projects to run where and which to exclude, and then you just kind of run this matrix and it handles everything. Nice. So what else should we know about NX? One thing that, that's very cool that happened actually this week is that we managed to surpass Angular CLI by weekly downloads, which is very important oh, milestone nice. for us. So we had a couple of milestones that we reached just before the New Year's Eve. We crossed 1 million downloads weekly. That was very important. And then we surpassed Lerna, which was kind of the the tool to use for Monorepo. And as some of you might know, that we actually took over the stewardship over Lerna. So Lerna was being unmaintained for a very long time. And the original maintainer mm. just didn't have time to, to continue working on it. And we offered to to take it under the Narval hood. So now we also handle Lerna. And part of this was that we started now learning uh, using Lerna in DNX. So for example, for our local versioning and publishing of the package, now we use Lerna. And at the same time, Lerna now has use NX flag, which then replaces the, the outdated orchestration and task management implementations that were there. And you can use mm-hmm. then NX within your learner without any change. You just set the flag, use NX to true, and you get all the nice features from the NX. You don't get plugins because this is part of the full NX solution, but you get the uh, local caching affected graph, the, the visual graph, the task orchestration, all of these cool things that, that speed up your development. Very cool. What kind of benefit are you seeing from people using NX? Like, you know, do you measure how much time it saves them or how much simpler it makes it for them or how much money it saves them? On NX Cloud, for example, you can see how much time it saved you, how much uh, cloud time saved you. So you can calculate then based on your monthly CI bill, how much money was was it saved for, Mm -hmm. for developers what this means, so that that's important for company, of course, to to reduce right uh, to reduce costs. For a developer, the most important thing is that, for example, when you create a PR, you get the result from your CI way faster, so you don't have to wait a long time. The same thing, of course, applies on your machine, and when you are running build or whatever other processes, you get the results more more quicker. So your developer experience improves tremendously. Also, as I mentioned, you don't have to you just have to learn one set of commands and then you can use it between different projects, different frameworks and libraries. You don't have to think every time, was it NPM serve or NPM start or NPM whatever develop? Because it, each framework implements it slightly differently, but we try to, to have this unified and we are con- constantly working on improving things. So making things easier for developers and especially our generators help you when you're starting project or when you need to like quickly scaffold something, you can nicely set it up 
so that you can you can quickly generate whatever you need to have in your project. So it, that at the end of the day, it saves a lot of time for developers and makes things easier. And with our linting rule, it also helps you from catching this architectural errors quicker before they escalate and, and bring your entire architecture to the point mm-hmm. where it's just better to throw everything out of the window and rewrite it from scratch. <laughs> Before your users realize that you uh, broke the contract between the front end and the back end. Exactly. Cool. Anything else you wanted to bring up or ask, Subrat? Yeah, what I was saying is that the most uh, initial thing, uh, I think the most important thing is that uh, messing up with the request response, basically in the starting phase, if a two independent team are working, then it's always happened. Maybe... In the later stage, we may have uh, built some processes or do something, but NS uh, NS solved that from the first day itself. So it's a pretty pretty good uh, good use case for for me. That is done. one of the nice side effects nice. Of, of NX or actually working in monorepos in general is that people start to collaborate more. In most of the companies I worked in the past, you had kind of clear separation between backend guys and frontend guys. Or and then you had some full stack guys sitting on two chairs, but there wasn't a lot of communication between different teams, especially if the project is large and there are really like a couple of teams working on front end, a couple of teams working on back end, and then you have teams working on back end as a service and then teams working on databases as a separate layer. And it usually required some complex meetings to, to get up to speed and to know what's happening where. And Monorepo somehow slightly teaches you how to communicate often and how to collaborate more. So when you change something that breaks front end, you see it immediately. And then you need to talk to the people who are responsible for that layer. And often you try to solve these things together. So it kind of brings people closer back despite they might be working on different teams and even across different continents. And I think and this monorip is also a very good tool for full stack developers. So they, they did not did not go and choose multiple repository to back and forth. Uh, they can just go ahead and check the same repository and who are uh, maintaining both front and back end and database. Yes, exactly. And and despite people might be thinking that monorepos only makes sense if you have more than one project, it actually using NX as a developer toolkit makes sense even for a single project because of all these things like caching and, and linting and, and just uh, in general, nice developer experience that, that helps you work on your single project even. So you shouldn't shy away from using NX if you have just a single project because even there it can help you tremendously. Yeah. Cool. Hi, this is Charles Maxwood from Top End Devs. And lately I've been coaching some people on starting some podcasts and in some cases just taking their career to the next level. You know, whether you're beginner going to intermediate, intermediate going to advanced, whether you're trying to get noticed in the community or go freelance, I've been helping these folks figure out how to get in front of people, how to build relationships and how to build their careers and max out and and just go to the next level. So if you're interested in talking to me and having me help you go to the next level, go to topendevs.com slash coaching. I will give you a one hour free session where we can figure out what you're trying to do, where you're trying to go and figure out what the next steps are. And then from there, we can figure out how to get you to the place you want to go. So once again, that's topendevs.com slash coaching. Well, let's, we're kind of getting toward the, that time where we need to do picks. Yeah, let's, let's jump in and do picks. Subrat, do you want to start us off with picks? 
yeah so this week my pick will be a programming book i think long time i haven't given a programming book so it's a pragmatic pro- programmer so it's by david thomas and andrew hunt mm-hmm. so it says that i haven't finished the book i just started reading the book like say his journey to master so it's kind of interesting kind of i'm getting some new concepts how how to think while i'm programming i will re-update you guys when when i finish the book and how it was but for for this week this will be the pick the pragmatic uh, programmer yeah that's a terrific book and and dave and andy are terrific guys too yeah. so Go check them out. They, they kind of uh, parlate that into pragmatic programmers where they publish a bunch of other books and courses and stuff like that. So I think it's at pragprog.com. Anyway, good stuff. And it's a terrific book. That's stuff that you should definitely be looking at and practicing the stuff that they put into that book mm-hmm. on a regular basis. Awesome. And anything else you brought before I throw out my picks? No, that's all for me. All right. I'm going to throw out a few picks then. I usually do a board game pick first. I'm going to pick a card game this week. It's called Quiddler. And it is, uh, it's a word game. And I like it because I'm good at word games and I usually win. But anyway, it's also relatively simple. So you deal out the cards, you put, you know, you discard, draw, and then you put down a, a word or words, you know, using all your cards. And then everybody else gets a chance to put down their cards. Then you get scored, you get extra points for having the longest word or the most words. And yeah, anyway, it's a fun game. So on Board Game Geek, I'm looking it up right now. It comes in at 1.43 on on its weight or complexity. So it's it's pretty easy game for people to pick up. Definitely a game my kids could play with with us you play through a number of rounds and you know take i think we played a full game in like 20 minutes or a half hour so anyway it was awesome so i'm going to pick that and then i just want to let folks know we are putting together the angular remotes conference that's going to be in november you can go to the website and find it it's under conferences i'll put a link in the show notes as well but yeah it's going to be awesome we're going to have all kinds of awesome people come and speak and the CFP is also open. So if you want to speak, you can uh, submit a talk. I'm trying to think what else I want to pick. Uh, lately, my wife and I have been watching The Lost Symbol on Peacock. Peacock's just another streaming service. But it uh, it's based on Dan Brown's book. And so, you know, they're following clues and being shot at and all that stuff. Pretty good so far. So, yeah. So I'm going to pick The Lost Symbol. And I think that's all I got. So, uh Nero, what are your picks? Yeah, just to say, uh, I, I read The Lost Symbol and I really like the book. I, I like most of his books, so yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah. One. On the series note, I noticed that recently Sandman came out on Netflix, which is this amazing comic. And I haven't started watching it yet, but I'm looking forward to that. I think it will be amazing. If it's half as amazing as this comic is, it will be just great. So I suggest people to just try it out and see how it goes currently it has 7.9 on imdb so not amazing but still high enough to to give it a try and on another note i also want to mention one conference narval is organizing NXConf in october it will be in tempe arizona it's on october 17th so everyone who is interested in annex should come we also have a remote version so you can either be there in person or or watch it remote it will be one day conference and there will be workshop day before for beginners and then day after as an advanced one. So it's altogether 
three days from 16th to 18th. That's so far. Awesome. Very cool. All right. I don't think I have any other picks or anything else to announce. So we'll go ahead and wrap up here. Thanks for coming, Nero. This was awesome. Thank you for having me. All right. I'm going to go ahead and wrap us up. Until next time, folks, Max out. Bye-bye. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.